What's good, people? This is episode 120. I'm Jason Debilius. That woman over there, that's Kelly Reeves. It's right there. The episode starts. You can tell I'm teching my own show today, yeah. <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right, people, you have asked, you have asked, you have asked, and now you shall receive. Because for me, I've got to give the people, give the people what they want. Kelly Reeves. What's up? What's Gucci, my friend? How we doing? So are you like going from practice to practice today? No, just doing workouts right now. So... Yeah, that's why I'm in this like athletic gear, but just finished a workout. Um, yeah, happy to be here. Cool. Do you have practice after this? No, I have coaching. Hopefully if the rain doesn't keep up, but we'll see. But not really doing too much practice in the sand right now because it's off season. And then when January comes around, that's when we'll probably go more in the sand, kind of regroup mm-hmm. and kind of plan for the upcoming season. Yeah, so. um, definitely. Um take care of things that we affectionately refer to as controllables right yeah. like your off season your time in the weight room um just running your health your your diet and nutrition um john and i had a little debate on taking care of your side of the net and i, I didn't oh. really, i didn't really know what he meant but when he when he made that emphasis i'm like you didn't tell me that what it was you know you got me you didn't tell me that what, what that what, what that was about you Ooh, know because right, right. for me i'm like look taking care of your side of the net helps you beat the teams you're better than and lose to the teams that are better than you what <laughs> you know yeah but he wasn't talking about on-court controllables like oh. like me like i'm coaching juniors right now and mm-hmm. and you coach a little bit of juniors here and there too right yeah. so we we serve right 100 mm-hmm. control right yeah um in system setting right you get a good pass the other team can't make you set poorly that's a controllable down ball free ball there are levels to that right 7 yeah. 20 80 10 whatever yeah. or 80 20 90 10 um indoor right starting at the right spot base one to base two mm-hmm. right nobody can make you not play that spot so right but john and i'm and i guess this is what my question is because they ain't here to come they didn't come here to watch me talk all right hi <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> give me an example of some things you consider uh, uh, have a heightened emphasis as far as controllables are concerned. Uh, I know it's a whole slew of things, and I know all of those all of those count because all of them together don't exi- don't exist unless it's complete. But right. give me something that you consider a heightened emphasis on controllables. Um, I mean, as far from like a skill standpoint, I think serving one is very important. I mean, that's the one thing we can control. I think it's a good way that we can get teams out of system and you can be a threat from the service line. Case in point, April Ross, who's the best server in the world. Although Betsy Flint's sneaking up there too. Drakari. You know, don't, yeah, dude, Betsy Flint, she has a sniper of a serve. So I think that's something that you can control completely. Um, and then just like from the technical standpoint, like you can always control your skills. However, it is situational depending on what conditions you're in out there. So if you can, you know, solidify a good base with your technique, whatever skill that is, can you maintain that consistent, um, I guess, touch on the ball or how you go into a certain skill, whether it's passing, setting, transition setting, blocking, pulling. Um, so just kind of like controlling those, I guess, the base work. Right. And then I think another thing, too, to add on that is kind of more of just your, I guess, 
on-court demeanor, your body language, and how you are as a teammate, and can you be consistent with that, you know, every practice, every match, every tournament, and then depending on if you're with a partner, can you do that day in and day out, or if you're switching around, can you be the your consistent best self? So I think that's something that I'm kind of, I've been working on a little bit. Um, okay. Just as far as like being your best self day in and day out, and that's hard to do. It is. It's not, yeah, I mean, it's not easy. I mean, because sometimes you can't help how you feel. I mean, being a prisoner of the moment is, mm-hmm. there's no elite athlete exception exception to that. Right. Right? You, you, you right? Um, you, you're good, though. You could be the statue at a staring contest. You're, you're um, <laughs> you know, like, you, I don't know if this is an improvement thing or something you've been struggling with, but my eye test says that you conduct yourself like if a play goes well or bad or poorly mm-hmm. it's exactly what you thought was going to happen and i think that's great to an extent i think sometimes in the past i would always find myself dwelling on certain plays that like i needed to get rid of quicker mm-hmm. but i feel like that's just kind of being the competitive you know stubborn athlete in me cuz i want to be perfect but i can't chase perfection i feel like i've changed my mindset of can i be consistent on all levels and if there's an opportunity how can i make that fix so I've been kind of working on that a little bit, and then I was not great at it. I don't know if I'm there yet, there yet, but I feel like that's kind of the, something that I want to work in, work on going into this next season of just being a little more consistent there, mm-hmm. versus not being so up and down with it, being more let, level-headed, and managing um, the good plays, the bad plays, the ugly ones, and just being like super even keeled. That's hard to do. Because sometimes your emotions get the best of you. And I play with a lot of emotion, and sometimes mm-hmm. that's a lot of energy. Um, those that watch know that or know me and watch me play, um, I kind of want to just make it more just kind of even-keeled. So in other, word, in other words, you, you want to make sure your big waves don't crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we call That's what we call oh. that. Big waves crash. I like um, that. I played overseas, and um, they say for every five points we got emotionally high, we're probably going to give up nine on nine on the low. So, <laughs> um, and the beach guys, some of my beach friends say, call it ebbs and flows. Just make sure you keep your waves small; they they don't crash, nice. you know. And um, but at the same time, if there's something that where that galvanizes you and your partner and brings you to the dance, you, it's like it, it is this constant battle where you want to keep as much of that as you can, right? Right. Yeah. Look at Fallon Fun Moana. Yeah, she plays. She's, she's a unicorn. She plays. I feel just the way. I mean, she's so herself, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's that attests to something. I mean, like that's where you want to be. That's where you. I think you play your best is when you're your best version of yourself. Right. So can you tap into that? Every practice, every tournament, every match. You know, when you go back to back, you know, three set matches. Can you just continue to do that every day? Every day, every point. That's yeah. hard to do. Sometimes we get carried away with the excess noise or whatever that's outside. Uh-huh. But I feel more comfortable using her as an exa- uh, you as an example over her because she, she is what we um, athletes call a unicorn. There are very few people that ride that go, go high mm. and stay high. And for that kind of person, we need to like take them to the lab, right? We need to like examine them, you know, get the scalp tool, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? You do the operation, I'll like stand behind you and start handing you tools and shit. Yeah. Um, so when, when it comes to her, I always say pick another example because I like watching her because I, you rarely see, and they do exist, they're, mm-hmm. ju- they're just unicorns. You rarely see someone ride this, 
start high balls out the and the entire match from that from beginning to end that is that's yeah <laughs> you know and everyone's still waiting for her to like like get tired at the end of a match because i know there are a lot of concerns like people like people think she's not getting good partners because they're worried about her conditioning but show me one game show me one match where she lost because she got tired at the end you can't <laughs> and i'm not being like this positive I'm, you know I'm, I'm i'm honest i'm not gonna lie for its own sake i'm, I'm too old for that yeah. um and i mean that about her so but i like what you said because i didn't know that was something you know, I knew that was something that kind of reared its reared its head when you play with Allie. Uh, you were playing in um, mm. um, Manhattan Beach with Allie, 2016. Yeah. Um, little um, what do you call it? You do we call it a meltdown? Is that is that a nice? That's not a nice thing to say, but was it was it kind of a team meltdown? And did that come from like just uh, mediating and navigating emotions? Um, I think it was just, I mean, that was my first year on tour. I didn't really know what I was doing. I'll be honest there. Um, I was very new, came from straight from indoor. Mm -hmm. And I think just looking back, like I definitely let my emotions get the best of me, but I feel like since then I've like grown, matured and understood, you know, what emotions are and I can kind of handle that a little bit better, but I'm very grateful to play with Allie. If she's listening, what's up girl? Um, but yeah, I'm very grateful for that experience. And you just kind of like learn from those little tidbits or those little experiences. And can you just, one, not repeat it and just learn from that whatever experience and then grow and continue to build. So I kind of use those moments to reflect and try and build. Although when you're in the moment, sometimes it's hard to see. So when you step away and kind of reflect, you know, months down, years down, it's like, oh, I did this in that situation. I don't want to do that again. Right. So, yeah. Very blessed there. Yeah. She she was staying at my house, her and Kevin. Oh. And it was it was kind of a tournament that she really wanted so badly. Like Kevin Kevin was like, Jason, can you come downstairs and give Allie a hug? She she's oh. a you know, she's a wreck right now. But um it just came from her wanting it not bad. She doesn't think about her she's not a selfish person. Right. She didn't want it badly for her. She wanted it badly for the two of you. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, and I mean, that was kind of like her last year. And I think, what, she played with Urango a little bit at the end. And then she showed her face in Hermosa Beach a couple of times. And then and now she's the head coach at UC Davis. Um, but I, I wanted to share that with you. And I'm not, it's out of my character to, to share people's private stuff like that. Because no one will fucking <laughs> talk to me or whatever. But I mean, I'm, I should, I'm supposed to be like a ship that doesn't reach a port. But that that story bears repeating because yeah. she, she, she loves you and she respects you. And... And it's important that you know that. Oh, okay. I'm very yeah. grateful for her. I mean, yeah. that was my first year on the tour, so All right. it was good. We did some yeah. good stuff. Don't you start crying. <laughs> Tear. Okay. No, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Come here. Um, I'm playing. Um, you can cry if you want. I, no. I, these days, I mean, because of COVID, man, I'm, I'm crying. I found myself crying for no reason. Mm. My, girl, my girl's like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, well, no. She's like, I'm just crying. man up. I'm like... <laughs> You know when you tell a kid stop crying, what do they do? They go, and they hold it in. Like, and then you're like, I said, stop out. crying. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I'm gonna jump back and forth. I promise I won't drive us both off the cliff. Let's okay. talk about indoor volleyball. Let's talk about your career at UCLA. Okay. Um, UCLA, you were an outside hitter. I was a little bit of everything. I played outside, I played right side, and I played DS slash libero. Okay. Interchangeable. 
Um, what year was what years was that? So I went. I played 2010 to 2013 were the seasons. So, okay. And then I didn't get my degree, my degree till 2015. So 2015. Yeah. Did you, and you guys won a chip. We won a chip 2011, 10 years ago. It's coming up December mm. 17th. That's you know why? I mean, it's crazy because I'm I, before I moved here, I was a pure indoor player, mm. and I followed indoor volleyball avidly. And and then the last six years, um, since I moved here. I knew how to play beach. I mean, Central Park Volleyball, it's not like wind and sun, but indoor players can use that to cross-train because we have the muscle memory of the indoor approach. Right. So we can, it's not like a beach player trying to use it for indoor. It's an indoor player, right, strengthens your legs and then you come back because you already have the, the technique. You don't forget that. Right. So, um, so I knew how to play, but I was like, wait a second. I know that girl. When I say you're playing with Allie, I'm like, I know that girl. She she won a chip. And Aaron Wexler, who was the assistant coach, I believe, on that on that staff, right? I think he was either assistant or volunteer. I can't remember at yeah. the time. It was so long ago. And but... I know he was a libero too. And I think he oh. won a chip himself as a libero in the early two nice. thousands. Or, um, I think he played after Spora and or July. Those guys won in '98 or whatever. And I think BYU okay. won '99 in 2001. And wow. since then, it's been. It's been a year uh, for men's volleyball. It's been the year of the repeat champion, uh, mm-hmm. or, or the decade of the repeat champion, right? It's Hawaii won one, but before that, Long Beach State were repeat champs. Ohio right. State was repeat champs. Um, Loyola Chicago, right, uh, beating Division Two, no less. Uh, uh, Lewis, no less. Yeah, and then UC Irvine, so all repeat mm-hmm. champs, and then Ohio State again. So MIVA and Big West have split split the difference, wow. <laughs> making the pack look incredibly bad. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I ran into Aaron Wexler this morning oh, this at the morning. coffee shop. And I'm actually going to try to call him. I want to see if he picks up. Because oh, he said, ask her about her NCAA championship. <laughs> you know, and he said he said he would pick up. So I want to see if we can get him. Jason. What's up, man? Can What's up, man? Say what's up, Kelly. What up, Wex? What's up? What's, up? what's going on? Just doing a podcast <laughs> with your boy. So we were, I like it. So we talked a little bit about beach, and you know me, I steer, I steer. You've been on the podcast, you know, I steer everybody off, off and back on the cliff. I feel like we're in the Mulholland Drive for Christ's sake. So we're talking about her college season and her indoor season, and we're talking about that championship run. So Wex, since I got you on, and since you, you got your homie sitting here, give me one or two things that you liked about what you did that season, if you can reach back that far. Just constant fire all the time, you know, no matter what unconditional fire you know and it it, it kind of showed up at the right time but it was the consistent just display of that that just made that a special thing and it made it relatable and it was inspiring for anybody because we can all try to get that fire but to to keep it as consistent as she did that's awesome oh. that's what i remember Oh, thanks, Wax. That's so nice. <laughs> I'm giving you a I'm giving you a hug through the phone. I don't know if you can feel it. A little Gucci hug. Well, you know, I want to say one more thing about that because it's it's not just about consistent fire. It's like consistent focused fire, right? Because we can have we we can all have fire, but Reeves was able to be focused at the same time with with that fire and yeah. not let the fire kind of like you know take her focus somewhere else. Oh, appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. I call it a uh, control chaos. You know, uh, like yeah. if you want to know what's going on in my mind to define like my volleyball career, I want you to look at Chinese nine man and just look at like five <laughs> blockers, five blockers, four back row defenders. Oh, my God. Um, these, this guy's running the one. He's, this one's running the 31. This one's running the go. This one's running the red. And 
And Aaron, Aaron, I think you saw a little bit of it, right? I call, I call it control chaos. Yeah, for sure. Since I got you on the line, tell us, um, I want to plug in your, your, your most recent episode. Tell me your most recent guest uh, before you get off the phone and, and um, how people can, you know, how people can get, um, get, a, get on board and listen or watch that. I appreciate that. No, I, you know, I had this addiction specialist come on my podcast and he specifically works with athletes. And, you know, it's one of those topics that's really kind of difficult to discuss, but I just wanted to get it out there. I want to get the information out there because many athletes struggle with alcoholism or addiction or even just painkillers or other drugs. And it's, I think it's really valuable to get another perspective on how to approach that topic. Uh, I, be, I think it's becoming less taboo. I think people are willing to talk about it and discuss it more. And that's really what it takes. It takes a discussion. So, yeah, it was Dr. Rob Kelly. He was on my podcast, um, which is can be found at, at Within the Game Podcast on Instagram. And, um, yeah, I appreciate it. But, yeah, don't don't take too much light away from Kelly because she's nah, the best. You, man, you lucky. You lucky we are friends. We sitting here calling you up on the phone, plugging your episode in. <laughs> nah, bears repeating. It. And the reason why I brought that up is because when we hang up, um, I wanted to talk to Kelly about certain things like that. I wanted to talk about neurological addiction versus discipline and this and that. So, so thanks, Aaron. We're out. I really appreciate it. Much love, Kelly. Much love, JD. Right. Bye, Wex. Peace. <laughs> yeah, so I know you haven't had personal experience with this, or, or, or I don't know that. Um, I do know certain athletes have, and I've talked to someone privately. Privately, And Riley Salmon, um, Olympic gold medalist, was on my podcast. We talked for like two hours and 25 minutes um, about his addiction to opioids and, and alcoholism. Um Neither one of us are doctors. All we can do is just read as much as we can. Yeah. And then when we disseminate the information, only in the end for people to say you're not a doctor, but right. but <laughs> but um have you um known athletes that kind of deal with those kind of things? I mean, we were we um I feel like I'm I'm jumping off of just mental pressure to oh. neurological addiction and back to mental pressure, but let's <laughs> since we Aaron was on the phone, that's yeah. that's a real thing. I haven't I don't have that much experience with um that topic i mean i know i didn't really know that was like actually a thing but i feel like for me in my life i just surround myself with people that i mean that's not really an issue but um for those that like are in that position like you definitely should like obviously get help see a professional and it's not something to like overlook um but yeah that's kind of a i don't really know too much of that yeah um well i think what i'm trying to get to is like when I grew up and someone was like addicted to drugs, yeah. my mind, and I guess that's how I was raised, my mind was trained to believe that these people lacked discipline mm. and lacked willpower. Mm. And then you realize, you have to realize there's, there's just something that goes beyond willpower. Right. Right? Think about this. Like uh, Josh Gordon from the NFL, right? I remember saying, and I, wa I watched Stephen A. Smith on first take, and he said, you're telling me you, you were given a $10 million contract, and they told you all you have to do is stay off the weed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, and I kind of agree with him. I'm like, have you ever seen a joint that was worth $10 million? Oh, wow. Have you ever seen a joint that was worth $10 million? Rhetorical question, right? Um, but then... You have to think about it the other way, right? Like, if someone knows if they do it, 
you, you, dude, you're going to have to pee in the bottle, right? right? And someone knows you're doing that and you do it anyway. That's, I don't think that's a willpower thing. Or, 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 maybe, or maybe sometimes it is. I, I just wanted your thoughts. Like how much of that is, is just. Well, I think it's like kind of a discipline too. And just like, you have to understand like your body is your temple and like what you put in, like you have to like be able to perform. So I think those that make that decision, like that's kind of on them, but I feel like it is a discipline that you have to like be, you know, aware of the decisions that you make. Like it could cost you in the end, like it could cost you a $10 million contract. So you have to be, you have to understand, like you do have a choice and there are decisions that you need to make and you have to understand like there could be consequences knowing what you decide to do to your body. So I feel like for me, I was lucky enough to, be raised by a really good family and like we I never really got into that I mean I stayed up with my studies I was very volleyball driven like that's all I wanted to do was eat sleep train and I made sure I just wanted to take care of my body as best I can and I'm still learning you know with nutrition and you know my body is my temple so to speak so I want to fuel it with the right good stuff although it is Christmas time so I've been Loaded on the cookies. That's a different con. That's a different topic. But yeah, I kind of I just steered away from that from day one. Good. Yeah. Good. We can get in and out of the subject matter as fast as we can. And I can ask you this. Um, What does an in-season Kelly Reeves diet look like? Oh, in-season. Um, I would say it's like a lot of high protein, a lot of carbohydrates. Um, I definitely eat more when I'm in season versus out of season um so like right now I'm kind of just like trying to like limit my portions a little bit more because I'm not as you know in the sand four times a week I'm just in the gym um I'm still doing a lot of protein whether that's like I love chicken love salmon high protein diet that's repair yeah yeah so I would say like to keep it to keep it short I have higher I have bigger portions more so during season because with the demand and then off season just smaller portions and then I kind of I do more time more times a day, right? Yeah, yeah. Little meals a day, or sometimes I'll like fast in the morning, not really eat breakfast, and then just like wait till after my workout. Kind of been flirting with that a little bit, Um, but yeah, I'm not really putting my body through a lot of, I guess, physical training demands like in the sand right now. It's more just like mobility, strength, conditioning, kind of rewiring the brain to get or rewiring the body to get ready for next season. So, yeah. yeah, so it's kind of trial and error, but I've always been very, I've always been clean eating. Um, I love to cook. I love to make my own food. So it's always hard for me to go on a trips and to eat out. I don't do it a lot. Um, but I've learned this year, especially that like I just go to the store and just kind of like make stuff in the hotel room and it's just easier for me and better for me to perform. Yeah. Can so, you yeah. appreciate how the difference between like your generation of athletes and the previous generation. I was going to say the previous two, but I'll go as far back as just the previous one and how the athleticism is there, the skill sets there, but the diet, like the ability to take care of themselves is infinitely different. We ate like (laughs) fucking idiots when we, you know, when I'm like, I'm 51 for the people listening at home. Right. I know. I don't look it right. I look like an ugly thirty-five, right? I, I'm <laughs> creeping on little girls. Hey, little girl. But um, no. But we we ate terribly. I I was I'm, I'm ex-military, and we're gonna talk about your thing in a minute. Oh, but uh, but cool, I'm, cool. I'm ex-military, and I played 
for the military community team. I tried out for the All Army team, made that team. I got recruited by a club team, played out, played in Germany for two years. And when I left the military, I blew up from a slim 199 to 204 because I have wide, I'm wide shoulders, wide hips, so it's 6'1". Mm-hmm. I could be 199, look bony, right? Yeah. And blew up to t- as much as 268 pounds. Whoa. What happened? <laughs> the workout was there. Um, and the eating was the same. So when, you know, you, you don't, when you're not training with the military anymore, you're not training with a volleyball team at night. Yeah. It, it just caught up to me. And for, for almost a decade, I was just huge. And I could still play, but then you, you, you get older. And then even if you're in shape playing indoor, right? It's your knees. It's your back. It's your elbow. Yeah. You got a uh, uh, shoulder. It's, it's, you get, they te- maybe they don't teach you how to land or they teach you how to jump, right? Right. <laughs> Nobody teaches you how to land, right? So, and I actually took on a trainer one day when I, I, I saw a doppelganger version of me on the train and just, I was like, that's me. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I don't want to talk a lot, but I'll, tell you, I'll just tell you the story. I'm on a New York subway, right? And it's a two-seater, right? And there's a guy like me, kind of has like my kinky hair, you know, look look close enough. He was like 350, right? And he's in sitting in a two-seater. You couldn't fit a second person in there, right? It's just those corner two-seaters if you've ever been to AVP in New York and rode a subway. And he's had, he has chicken McNuggets, he has French fries, and he's looking for a place to put the chicken McNuggets. And he looks at his stomach, and he puts it on his stomach. And he starts, he starts eating chicken McNuggets, chicken McNuggets off of his stomach. And I was just like, whoa. whoa, that's me. Got scared, got scared. Started eating five times a day, smaller portions like mm-hmm. you. Um, took a year. Got as low as 186, didn't like it, too light, you know. Went to the Pottstown Rumble, a girl gave me a cute bump, I fell, so. No, had to be, you know, <laughs> so I had to be heavier. Um, so I like that. You, you, you do have a realization of your off-season um, Kelly Reeves diet, your on-season Kelly Reeves diet. Do you find yourself saving money doing it the way you're doing it as opposed to restaurants? Yeah, I think eating out, it just, it gets too expensive, especially now. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like you go to a restaurant and it's like I could literally make this myself for like half the cost and I can have it for, you know, two or three meals after that. So I kind of just taken an interest in cooking and kind of learning what foods I like, what helps me perform, what I'm allergic to. I mean, certain things. Um, but yeah, I've really enjoyed my time in the kitchen and kind of experimenting with new foods to help me perform, rest and recovery and all that stuff. So it's been it's been very eye-opening, a good learning experience for me, so I enjoy it. Nice. I just submitted the poll. Who should who should who should you play with next year? Oh, <laughs> I did like a poll, like um, Brit Howard, um, B How, <laughs> Cannon, yeah. Mm. Oh man, did she have a good tournament, huh? FIVB with Sarah. I oh yeah, yeah. Great, great coming out party for just two girls that you knew that if you saw them play, do the things that they do well. Yeah. And how it matches up against the best players in the world. Um, I knew at some point that was going to happen. I, and I knew they would get a couple of one-offs or two-offs. Sustainability, I, I guess, is the key, right? And yeah. that's, where, that's where April Ross and, and Alex Kleinman mm-hmm. have uh, cracked the code. You know what I'm saying? Because there are athletes out there that are just as elite as them. But they, they crack the code. It also, you said, you said April Ross is like one of the best servers in the world. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you said Betsy was too. Do you remember? Uh, yeah, yeah. Betsy's up there. Yeah. I remember Manhattan Don't Beach. Don't count her out. Manhattan Beach, they're down 20 to 18. I'm watching the I'm watching the living room with my wife. I actually literally ran to Manhattan Beach just to wish everybody good luck. And then I said, you know, I want to I prefer to watch it multiple cameras instead of like live. And 2018, I told my girl, I said, she's going to get two aces. <laughs> and she got the two aces. She went straight Jakari's mood. Yeah. So for the people who want to be better passers, you are a passing machine. I call you the queen of the hold. Oh. That is this, leaving it out there like a dork. Um, <laughs> coaches, uh, um, you're uh, internationally um, East Coast guys. We call it um, hard wall, padded wall. Nice. So because uh, we're not trying to talk about science or some some silly study when at the end of the day coaches really were the scientists right I'm, yeah I'm, so i mean yeah no you you understand biomechanics and this and that and mm-hmm. why i mean and you watch tina gordina be a goofy foot and defy biomechanics and the lion king and phil uh, and that's why that's why we don't lean on studies on its own but basically we say if you throw a ball against a padded wall it might bounce back the same or it might die it might do something different but if you throw it against a hard wall, it bounces back the exact same way with, with, the, same, with the same amount of pressure. Mm-hmm. And that's how I describe holding your platform. Oh. So, yak, yak, yak. For some of these young girls who want to be like Kelly Reeves, give them a subset of passing that you, you hold valuable. Is it the hold? Is it straight and simple? Is it one move to the ball? I is it, think is for, it, Go ahead. I think for me, for passing... I mean, I've been doing it since I was like 12. I fell in love with that skill, I would say, first when I started playing volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I kind of just like teach my kids, it's just like having your platform out. And it's just kind of creating an angle, being comfortable to make an angle outside of your midline. Like, yes, midline, but it's okay to go outside on your right, outside on your left. And it's understanding to like tilt your shoulders to create that nice, easy platform. Um, I think you see a lot of kids at the, like at the young levels, they're swinging their arms a bunch. I feel like for me, it's just been engraved with like, once you set your angle, you hold it and let, let the ball do its thing. So it's all about creating that angle. However, it's knowing what angle to do when the ball is being served at you or dug at you or hit at you, excuse me. Um, but yeah, I think holding your platform away from your body too is something that i also teach as well you don't want to be super tight on your body you want to be out in front and think to attack attack the serve attack the ball don't let you you attack it don't let it drive you Mm -hmm. um it's yeah i mean it's super simple but you just have to do that like ten thousand reps over and over and over again and i would just i remember growing up for indoor, I would go in the gym and I would just pass buckets of balls, like how Kobe would just shoot or any basketball player would shoot free throws. I would just pass to the bucket. Uh, shout out to Wave Volleyball. They were, um, that was like where it all kind of started for me. But yeah, I mean, passing is something that I love. Yeah. Yeah, it's super fun for me. Yeah. And all, and for me, holding your platform, there's a reason why you watch a volleyball game and someone passes a ball low. And the hang time of the low pass mm-hmm. is the same as if they passed higher. And I think I, I'm I'm not sure the complete science behind it, but holding it has a lot a hell of, uh, a lot to do with that. Well, and it's um, also like your body position too. If your hips are behind the ball, or like you, it's all about like feet to ball first, and then late with your angle. Mm-hmm. However, when I say late with your angle, you have to be in the right position with your angle. Mm-hmm. You need to tilt forward towards the net. You want to be too super upright or you don't want to be out to the stands where mom and dad are sitting. Mm-hmm. But 
I think it just, it's understanding kind of like the biomechanics of how your body should move to a serve and kind of understanding that relationship. So like spacing is one, um, feet to ball, and then setting your angle and just keeping it, you know, solid, calm. Yeah. No excess movement. Facing it too. Yeah, facing it. Yeah, I mean, for indoor, you want to face it to the target and then beach, you want to pick your spot, whether it's like out in front or kind of more the middle of the court and just know where that is and set your angle and just trust it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, for me, like facing is important because like I've always had this habit of just doing this. I'm facing forward and this and that. And what happens is, and you can see, the camera can see it, right? Both forearms are facing facing where? They're like up now. I got mad skills, so it's a lot. Most for the most part, that goes to the target anyway. But what it does is it invites, uh, um, it invites room for the ball for the for the ball to have a mind of its own. Yeah. You know what if I mean? Some because me psychologically, I'm like, okay, the ball's like f you, Jason. I want to do this today, right. and I'm like, no, it it it's it's physical. You know, something's a mental. We just talked about mental, but that's physical. That's mm-hmm. just about like you said. Uh, doing it over and over and over again until it's second nature. So yeah, and I'm I'm really oh my god, that's that's like the best answer of the podcast. See what happens when I shut up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're good. You're good. Yeah, but no to to expand on that. I mean, it's doing it ten thousand reps, but it's also it's doing it the right way. So if you don't know how to do the right way, you need to seek out coaches that understand the technique of it, which mm-hmm. I've done, and I've kind of studied it, and I've just repped it out for since forever. And that's kind of just my bread and butter. I mean, there are times where I'll get beat left mm-hmm. and right, but I know that I can always lean on my passing to kind of keep me in the game. And that I just go back to like feet to ball, yeah. early angle, and just set and set early angle and then hold. You got to come through to my practice on Saturday. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, for two reasons. One, I, I, I like the way you explain it. You explain that even the 13-year-old can understand it. And two... They're probably tired. Of, they have to, they have to be tired of hearing the same guy. I mean, I'm like, a, I mean, I, I'm, I'm con- like for those kids that I coach. I mean, I'm constantly saying it over and over and over again. Yeah. But like my coaches have done that to me too. Mm-hmm. So it's just engraved in my head. And it's worked for you. Yeah. Look at you. I mean, you're 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 a fantastic player. And and oh, thank you. It's I. It's weird because there's some people. I'm like, I look at them and I'm like, all right, that's probably as good as they're gonna get. You know. And if I was in a bad mood today, I would just name names, but I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to make you nervous. I don't want to make you nervous. All right. I'm not going right, to do sounds, that. Sounds good. All right, I'll do I prefer yeah. that. No name drops. No. Well, for me, no one feels disrespected because if it comes from me, they know it comes from an honest place and they know I'm a, I'm a USA guy. I want to see all of us do good. I want us to be so good that we, we, we bitch and complain that there should be a third team in the Olympics. Because when I heard someone say that, I, I was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> say that to the Brazilians, right, who got like three teams, you know, ten times better than those girls that you think deserve to be in on the outside looking in. Don't, you know, don't, don't do that. So, so not, not, that, not, that, not that Jason today, because nobody, I don't know, nobody, people are scared of honesty. You know, and I don't even think I'm being douchey about it either. I'm not saying, I'm attacking volleyball players with volleyball. Did I say anything about your mother? No. Did I say you should go die and live in a log cabin? No. So, um, but I, for you, I'm, I will say this to your face. I am totally candid and honest when I say you, I, we haven't even scratched the best of Kelly region. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen, we've only seen the surface of, of this girl who's, who's quasi mastered the basic fundamental things where she, you, your game looks flawless and you're even teaching it. 
and we haven't even seen the best of you yet. This is who you are, young lady. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I just said young lady like a old fart. I just did. I just say young lady. Okay, but well, you are. Thank you. But um, I have. It's gonna. It's gonna be great, and I can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited for this next year. I feel this year was kind of a big growth year for me, a little bit more off the court than on the court. Um, so I'm excited to kind of get back in the sand, revisit some skills, kind of, you know, fine tune a couple things and then be on my way and kind of get after and ready to compete this year. Yeah. So I'm excited. I feel like there's a lot more left in the tank. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this year and see what happens. I can't. Jeez. I, I, I think you speak for both of us on that. I co-sign your, your sentiment. Um, before I talk about Atlantic City and, or, or um, prequel to the tour, because I mm-hmm. thought that was a very big tournament. I mean, you get 100K purse, people start showing up, right? Yeah. Um, I want to go back, way back. And, and this might take some discipline for you to, to reach back with me, all right? Okay. And I ask all of my guests this, 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 this question, and it'd be podcast malpractice if I didn't ask you. At what point, this might, it might be your juniors, it might be your high school, it might be college, at what point did you leave a particular tournament or a match and left the match saying that this is probably what I'm going to do for a living? You come from a volleyball family. Yes, very so, volleyball family. So I, it's almost an unfair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um. <clears throat> Ooh, this is deep. I think for me, it was probably my junior year. Was it my junior year of high school? Mm-hmm. Um, my club volleyball team, Wave. Uh, I think 16. So 16s. I was like junior or sophomore. I can't remember the whatever the year. But um, I feel like that season of club volleyball was like, whoa. I like fell in love with the sport. We were really good. The team that I was on, I'm st- I still talk to all of my club teammates to this day. Um, I think that was just like such a special team to be on. I mean, granted, we we did win a lot, but I think what made it so special is like we loved to compete with each other and for each other. And I was like, oh, I want this forever. So it was such a cool experience to kind of go through that. And it was like probably the most fun I've ever had playing the sport. And I just wanted it. I wanted to hold on to that forever. That feeling of just like playing with your teammates, just going balls out on the weekend at the ASC. And just like we were just ruthless and we played so relentless and we were just so competitive and we loved each other so much. I mean, we're still friends to this day, which has been over probably like 13 years now, which is crazy to think. But. I feel like that time period of my life, volleyball, was I kind of knew this was what I wanted to do. Beach wasn't really in the focus. Um, I always played that for fun. It was just like kind of a weekend, you know, on the weekends, we would go down to Moonlight and play for fun. I didn't really think I could do it as a professional sport. I kind of got the taste for that more so um, collegiately after my first year of sand, which was 2013. So I was like, oh, this is kind of this could be a thing. Granted, I always watched AVP growing up, but I didn't like think, oh, that's going to be me. I kind of went the indoor route first. And then when I got to play in college for the Bruins in 2013, we got to do that for a spring. I was like, huh, this could be something that I could do. And I just kind of fell in love with it, like a new love that I fell in love with with volleyball with that. So then I kind of wrapped up my indoor 
um, in 2013 overseas, came home. I called Holly McPeak and I was like, hey, I want to play beach volleyball. What do I do? So I went out on the beach, did this EDP program, which was like elite development program. That's not, it doesn't exist anymore. So I would do that. That was Holly, right? Yeah, that was with Holly and Barb. And I would do that three times a week. And then I would finish up school at UCLA. And then I got asked to play that year, but I was like super new. And I was like, I'm not ready to like play in an AVP. I'm still learning how to like pass and like figure out what side I like. So then I waited till 2016. And then I played with Allie. And then that was kind of the first year I kind of was exposed to beach volleyball for the professional AVP. And I was like, whoa, this is so cool. I'll never forget the first time I qualified and to get to the main draw was like one of those feelings like, whoa, I did something like I did something. It was like so cool to like see the result, I guess, of like putting in like a little bit of off season, not really knowing what I was doing at the time, granted. But it was kind of cool to see like, huh. I made it to the big leagues, you know? And then, yeah, now here I am. Still figuring it out. <laughs> you know what? I thought when I asked you this question, because when you started answering this question, you're talking about team this, team that, you know, or my team likes to compete. I'm like, this chick's dodging the question. Oh, she's, did I? Do- no, you didn't. Oh, okay. No, you didn't. Because when you first started answering the question, I'm like, this is all interesting. Mm-hmm. And it really is. You know, uh, because it, it's it's Kelly as a pup, right? And, yeah. And, and, your, and, you, and your story is something so many volleyball players can relate to. You see a ball, your eyes get wide, and you realize you're walking to the court, but you, you don't realize you're running to the court because you're so into volleyball. You just left your parents behind. You didn't realize you're running, and we all had that feeling. Um, so when you were talking about team thing and competing, I'm like, she's dodging. Not, not, not wittingly, uh, yeah. but you know, but at the end, you, you really, you, you brought it at the end. So I guess my follow-up question is it wasn't a particular tournament or, mm. or whatever. It was just an accumulation, a gradual buildup of. Yeah. I think for me, there's not like one match that like defined my moment. I think it's just like over time, like I've had such a big passion for the sport. Um, but I mean, if I, if you want more of a concrete, I guess, match or tournament, I would say it was Manhattan Beach 2019 when I was playing with Therese Cannon. That was yeah. my best finish. Took a third. Yep. And some of the teams, I'll never forget playing April and Alex on stadium court. I didn't realize how packed the stadium was because yeah. I was just so mentally just like in it. I didn't realize like, whoa, this was like kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we took them to three. We almost beat them, but I kind of realized like, all right, maybe this is something that I can actually do and like see myself, you know, being in this environment or the stadium more often than not. Um, so that is somewhere that I would like to get back to moving forward. Um, but yeah, I think that was kind of a special tournament for me as far as the beach aspect of it, Manhattan Beach 2019. Like Kelly Reeves moment. Yeah, that was my that was my big yeah. moment. So I want to get back to that moment as best I can. So we're. I was a busy guy that year, man. Yeah, that was a good year. I was a busy guy. I was coaching um, um, my friend. I have a friend, Rob McLean, mm-hmm. uh, who is actually working with um, Market Better at Beach. But he's a brilliant. He's a beautiful. He's a brilliant mind. Um, and for someone his age, like coaching and, his, and what he's doing is is way beyond his years. And he was playing with Rob De Aurora, um, mm-hmm. and they'd lost to Baranek and Kalinsky. If you mm-hmm. remember, Baranek and Kalinsky made the semifinals that year from the, from the qualifier. So. 
So I was coaching them. I was coaching Earl Schultz and Jake, of course, but they dropped me because Arturo was there and, and they were part of the P1440 program. So I'm like, cool. Mm. And I was also coaching Rafu. So it was crazy because Eric and Bill had to see my face three times in a row. Third round, last round, and first round. So, oh, um, But Eric, um, the reason why I even brought those two up is because Eric was, when you're, you're telling this story and like, and just like the nostalgia and Manhattan Beach and the further you get, the, the, it's like the more people are there at the end and then they start cheering you or they boo you or whatever, but you feel this. I don't know, your jump gets to, it feels two inches higher. You just feel stronger. You're like, I'm not tired. It's the second set. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not tired. <laughs> right. I feel like Manhattan, I mean, it's, it's like the Wimbledon of our, of our sport. I mean, everyone plays their best and everyone wants their name on mm -hmm. the pier. So I think that year especially, I don't know, I kind of just went to a different place and I just want, I just made it known like I want to just ball out. I just want to have fun and mm -hmm. like we're going to go for it and see what happens. And we ended up taking a third. So that was pretty cool. It is a tournament where the the people who grew up here are are more um, have better results. I mean, it is everyone in every region playing their best, but at the, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like watching Kristen Nuss and Cloth play Alex in April and Manhattan Beach, and watching them in Chicago, Chicago seemed more 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 like of a neutral ground. Mm -hmm. Like who's just fucking better, you know? We're, we're, let's say you're in Japan. Let's say you're in Doha. Let's say you're in Zamunda, yeah. right? Um, Eddie Murphy reference. Um, to me, that was that was more of an honest match than watching them get barbecued that first set in Manhattan Beach, nothing close. It's deep sand, you know. What I'm saying the home team, the only team regionally is like Phil and Nick, and Phil and Nick had to move out here to make that happen. So, right. so I do agree with you. It is the Wimbledon, and it is everybody playing their best. But I don't know if you've noticed, it is it is the teams who who live around here. I remember Hotchiver and Day. Yeah. They said, we just want to win the three California tournaments. They, they won Hermosa Beach. They won Manhattan Beach. They won Huntington Beach. That's right. San Francisco didn't count to them. And I'm like, you know, San Francisco's California, too. It's like, ah. It's NorCal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not the same, right, to the SoCal girl. Yeah. So uh, so is Teresa someone you, you're going to um, want to play with or going to play with? Um, No, I think we kind of parted ways earlier this year. She, We just kind of had different agendas. Nothing bad happened. No. I mean, we're great. Teresa is one good no. friend of mine. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of figuring things out yet. I haven't really thought about who I will play with next. Um, going into 2022, so I'll kind of start that process leading into the new year. So we'll see. I've been just kind of taking time right now to upkeep the body and then playing a little bit, but I'm kind of focusing more on myself right now to kind of get ready for 2022. And yeah, you're controllable. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm, just, I'm controlling what I can control, and that's me. I got to take care of myself first, and then eventually, after the new year, I'll kind of you know start the start the process. Of who I want to play with or who wants to play with me. I don't know. So we'll see. Um, you were um, doing a military thing the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. I remember because you're like, I want to come on a podcast, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not saying no. I, you know, I got to do something, you know, and just chill. Yeah. Um, 
What were you doing? Was and was Ty Loomis involved in this too? Because I remember he did that last year. No, Ty Loomis wasn't there. So it was um, Jen Snyder, Corinne Quiggle, me, um, and then Jace Parden. We work with this um, guy named Brian Lee. It's called Pro Sports MVP. So it's just like an entertainment stuff business. Okay. And we got to go out there. I can't say too much, but um, we went out there just kind of run the troops through some clinics, which was a really cool experience for me. Um, and I learned a lot, and it was just super cool to bring kind of a little bit of you know. USA to them or even like beach volleyball and to see beach volleyball, you know, 7,000 miles away was crazy. And the connections that we made, it was just insane. We met someone from Redondo. It was just, it was a really good experience. I'm so happy I did it. And it's just awesome to see beach volleyball all over the world yeah. in places you wouldn't imagine. And just these, the troops were just the best people ever, like super gracious, great, positive, just mm. positive Super positive. That's all I can really say. Yeah. I remember Ty Loomis did it last year. He was talking about the same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it was it was an experience of a lifetime for sure. And I had a blast for two weeks. So, I'm still a little jet lagged, but um, I'm so happy I did it. I would love to do it again. So, I mean. So, you said you met someone out there from Redondo? Yeah. His name was Colby. I didn't get his last name, but he knew Eric Baranek. So, okay. he knew a volleyball guy. So, I'm like, oh, my God. That's yeah. so cool. They kind of, like, follow uh, I'm a little gay for Baranek. I like him. I'm, I, yeah. We love Eric. He's a good dude. But I mean, yeah. And I don't mean to make this about me again, but for me, um, something you may not know about me is I'm I'm more of a purist because mm-hmm. I've been, you know, in the, in the game for 30 years. So I, I don't follow a particular player. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I do have my exceptions. Mm-hmm. And one of them is Eric Baranek. The other guy, the other one is um, for American, it's uh, Trevor Crabb. Trevor Crabb, Eric Baranek, and for girls, it's um, Chrissy Jones. I just think she's so classy and she's such she's so mysterious, you know, yeah. like her quietness and her competitiveness. And you know, had Todd on the podcast, and we just and we spent like twenty minutes talking about Chrissy Jones. I'm a fan. Oh, cool. Um, and the other girls are are Nuss and Cloak, you know, who um whatever. But I don't know. I might be down with Team Reese. Oh. You know, get on the Gucci train, sir. <laughs> the Gucci train. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta have Ty on the podcast, though. I mean, the JFK, the um, this thing came out on Showtime. JFK, um, I forget what it's called, Revisited or something like that, when documents were allowed to be released as of 2005, as of 1990-something, and as of 2020. So it's like the more data you're collecting on this, the more um, you know the, what's what's painfully obvious right yeah. uh, it's not something someone wants to talk about because back then when a whole people a whole people a bunch of died a whole bunch a bunch of a bunch of a bunch of people died they don't want to hear any theory as to what really happened they're just like i can't believe you're talking about this when people, when when he died and i'm like and somehow they make this illogical connection where right. that's one has something to do with the other and and ty there's not a better human being I could stick my head down a rabbit hole with. He's great. I'll never forget meeting him for the first time. He's just like a ball of light. Like, he's just a ball of energy. Love his light. Yeah. He's cool. What up, Ty? Yeah. But Ty brings up something important to that, and I'll close the door on JFK. Sometimes you're put in this particular category. Um, when someone doesn't want to talk about it, you're put in a particular category where you're like a nut. Like, there's a group of people that didn't think Oswald, like, acted alone. But they don't know who did it. 
right? And there's a group of people that think the CIA, it's the CIA, it's the Illuminati, it's Jodie Foster's dog, you know what I'm saying? Um, but there, there's a very human category that's like something doesn't smell right. And me, ex-military, the only thing that generated my interest is I, I'm an expert with the M16. Look at look at that plaque behind you. Where is it? See those badges up there? Oh, look at you. Yeah, that badge. Those badges meant I shot out of a possible 40 targets. I shot my last four times I qualified was 39 out of 40, 39, 39, and my last time, 40 out of 40. Three of those targets are from 300 meters out. Wow. So however that math works out. So so when I see someone shoot at a moving target, you know what I'm saying, um, and 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 make, make that shot, I'm... I'm not going to draw conclusions, but you can't say I can't be curious. Yeah, <laughs> I can't be curious, you yeah. know. Pretty cool wall. Do you see my degree up there, too? That's my well. That's a good looking wall you got up there. Yeah. Well. Well done. Yeah, I, I'd love to see what your trophy room looks like. So let me ask you something. You win a whole bunch of trophies and juniors and you win these awards and you have these pictures. At what point do you consolidate? Do you just take, or have you consolidated? Because for me, I'm as 51, yeah. and when I moved to New York, uh, from New York to here, you pick the ones that have a story to tell. Mm-hmm. Like, look, at, see, see that over there? That's the uh, those uh, that the the picture up there. Oh, that the- that's a story to tell. I just yeah. remember that it was like 16 up, and then someone power drank the ball that looked like a carry, and the athletic only won. So, yeah. So so for Ooh. you. You have a lot. Look, people look at your bvb.info page. I know you get around, Ooh. okay? You get around. There's a little bit on there. I've, I've, I mean... And, that's, uh, that's, and I was going to say, that's only the little bit. Yeah. Well, I feel like my juniors, like going through, obviously, high school, club, um, the only thing I've kept is when we won, I think when I was 16 or 2008, when we won the club division, the gold for the Open. And then everything else, I've... I've I'll be honest, I've thrown away because I had to move up here. I'm just trying to like, you know, not be a hoarder of all that stuff. I mean, it's always nice to kind of go down memory lane, but. That's what I parents mean, are for. Yeah, I mean, they have a little bit, but the only things I've really held on to was the, the club national championship, the Natty in 2011 with the UCLA Bruins. And then. Did you get a ring with that too? Oh, I got a ring. It's not super bedazzled, but it's small and cute. Um, so I have that. And then, like, I saved a couple of the, like, the net, the shirt, and the hat from what we have. It's very musty and old. So, um, and then from the AVP stuff, I do save all the player badges. So in any tournament that I play in, I save the player badge. So I have a lot. Eventually, I'll probably throw them away. Yeah. yeah, you got you got a couple up there, so it's kind of cool to see the the tournaments you've played in, the places you've been, and then I have my FIVB, one of my FIVB medals mm-hmm. from Cambodia when I played with Therese. That was the second, right? That was my first ever FIVB medal. Yeah, and then I did all the North. Did you finish second with? I didn't. I, that's the only time I've medaled on the FIVB. Oh, okay. And then I have my gold medal to um, the ANOC, our four man crew. Okay. So shout out to the Doha crew, ah. Carissa Cook, Katie Spieler, Gina Urango, Emily yeah. Hartong, Ellie Wheeler. So that was a really cool experience. I don't know if that'll ever happen again, but I'm definitely keeping that one for a while. No, no doubt. But yeah, I don't have, I kind of just downsize a little bit and kind of keep the ones that are like kind of important to me in my lifetime and maybe one day show a couple people here and there, five kids down the road, but I don't need all the other stuff. It's just kind of clutter. Great. Let me let me show people the wall behind us, right there. Yeah, you you got so, a good looking wall there. Yeah, this wall was only supposed to be California stuff. Oh. So, 
um, I told myself that one wall was just going to be entirely dedicated to to the, the stuff mm-hmm. uh, I do out here. And some of it's awards, and some of it's just pictures. That that picture behind us. That's um, that was my first. Um, that was a 16s group that I coached. They were oh, 41st yeah. in California, and then when we got to nationals. We got as high as fifth in the country. It's pretty good. Um, Duncan Avery's kids um, out of Redondo uh, um, Evolution. Got it. That's what they're called. So, cool. so that first one, boom, that's it. John Mayer, of course. John Mayer gave me my opportunity. I was a director of beach volleyball operations at LMU. Oh. Um, and when we got that team, they were like six and thirteen. And when I left, they were like twenty-one and nine. And yeah, right, they won the WCCs. And he should have gotten coach of the year this year. I really, I mean, thirty-one wins yeah, in that beach program. You beat UCLA and like LSU the same day, like your first two rounds. Yeah. And and you live in a region where you get all your recruits stolen by. Yeah. By Stein and, and Dane, <laughs> right? right? I mean, you know. I'm excited. So. I mean, I'm excited for the beach season, the collegiate season. I think LMU, that's a good program. They got some good coaches. John Mayer, mm-hmm. Betsy Flint. Um, I don't know who their volunteer is. It Andy Benish, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, they've been, I mean, I'm excited to see. It's exciting to see what John Mayer has done with that program. Yeah. He's a. He's coach of the year. Yeah. I mean, look, I know we live in a nice happy universe where you say everyone's deserving but for me i say everyone's deserving when it's a close call mm-hmm. when it's a close call oh then you say oh there's so many worthy candidates and then it wasn't his time it wasn't close mm-hmm. 31 wins for, for you know for a school and against ranked opponents i mean uh, anyway <laughs> <laughs> i just get angry because uh, he's such a nice guy mm-hmm. he's he do you know why his kid, do you know why he has a drama free program at LMU, and you can't say drama free in women's volleyball. It's very that I mean they don't they don't go together. They're not they're not they're they're more they're not even kissing cousins. All right, yeah. <laughs> they're not strange bedfellows. They are nothing, <laughs> because the whole thought of disappointing that man will make you cry. <laughs> the whole thought that you've done something that that makes him look at you and says I'm disappointed. You can't handle. So it's just like, I've never been part of a woman's program where I've, there was zero drama. You know? Aaron Mansfield, he's the indoor coach. I'm sure there's plenty of drama on that team. That's just the, you know, he's he's a tough love guy. You know? Yeah. UCLA, maybe, maybe not. You know? Um, what the hell happened in Long Beach with Matt Furbringer? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure his, his departure probably had something to do with some locker room brawl. Maybe they lost to Bakersfield and like got mad at each other and, and you know and then the ad had to clean house you know i'm, I'm guessing of course because Furbringer, there's no other reason that you would ever want to get rid of someone so so sweet and so knowledgeable and has like more roots in the community more roots than alex haley yeah <laughs> so yeah so question what's something you'd like to see juniors coaches do better um to make sure this next generation of girls bringing up their rear after this generation um Ooh. does because your generation's good. The generation after you, Kraft, Maple, they look like they're doing, you know what I'm saying? They're headed the right direction. Women's volleyball don't really have a whole lot of things to say. Men's, we could talk about at another podcast. <laughs> I think What's, I think for me to see at the junior level right now, since I'm I'm doing it a lot, I mean, it would be nice to kind of, yes, technique, technical-wise, you know, these kids need to be consistent, be up with their their practices, their reps, their weightlifting and all that stuff. But it would be kind of cool to kind of have more of like a player-coach relationship and kind of talk to them more about like strategy. 
I don't think strategy is as talked about a lot at the junior level. It's just more like be explosive, you know, you got to rep out this, rep out that, which I think is great. But I think it would be nice to kind of like maybe treat them like kind of like many adults and like have those conversations, kind of explore areas like a strategy. What did you see? I mean, kind of develop maybe more mini game plans. I don't know how much that's happening at the junior level. Um, I think it's a little harder because it's just there's so many kids and there's one coach to probably what? 10 kids, 12 kids on a court. That's really hard to do. Yeah. But to kind of have like, like maybe mini workshops to like get with a kid, kind of explain the strategic side of it. So when they get to college, they're kind of prepped and ready to go versus like day one, they're like, what is this? You know? So for more from the strategic side, I think that would be kind of cool to kind of dive in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely do that. I'm, I don't know. I guess I got smart girls, you know, and Jason Olive is building a beast at um la la um, volleyball club lavbc so what i don't love and, and you know you, you, you don't notice i don't know if you're coaching indoor juniors or beach probably just beach right just beach for right now um, they have a league called the pvl premier league basically mm. um I, i'll just say it like this basically being top 20 or top 25 in the scva isn't good enough they have to make a league Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so the top twenty-five in the CVA are now playing in this this league called the Premier League, and I, I, I think it's personally, I think the whole concept is disgusting. I think you, you being since when is being not being top twenty-five in the SCVA not enough that you have to make this separate this 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 separate thing where yeah. like these these and and. I respect everyone on the general level, but the respect I have for some of these coaches who. Um, some of these coaches who are putting in straight work and that are invested in the kids and their future versus some of these people who are just like recruiting the best players and playing glorified babysitter mm-hmm. um, is split down the middle. So, I mean, uh, I just don't like, I, I think it's, I don't know, rubs me the wrong way. And it's not like because we can't have a team in there. We have a team in there. We had, In fact, we had two teams, um, um, whatever. I, My team, I finished 37th out of a, out of the possible 36 and J.O., his his uh, flow one team we had two thirteens his flow one were undefeated wow. I mean twenty five eight thirteen I mean just so we we definitely have a team in it but but I, I I don't know I mean to me I just want what I want the reason why I ask this question because I'm hoping you could just mm-hmm. this isn't about me hearing my voice this is about me saying something I want you to to say to it's gonna inspire you to say something else um, I don't want to line up kids against the wall and say, you're too short, you can't do that. You're only gonna be a middle, you're this and that. I will never look a 13 year old or an 11 year old or 12 year old and tell them they can't do something. Yeah. They're not finished growing psychologically. Mm-hmm. They're not finished growing uh, um, um, physically, <laughs> yeah. right? What, now what I will do, and I'm, I'm gonna give you the floor in a minute. Like if there's someone that wants to be an outside hitter and she's a longer size, I will come up and, say, and I'll say, little girl, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you, <laughs> it's gonna be hard. But if you want to do this, if this is what you really want, do this, do this, do that, give it a shot, hit everyone with your best shot. And at the same time, always make sure you play another position. Your thoughts? Well, I think it, it kind of, I agree with you. And, and I think with some of these junior athletes, I mean, they have to drive it. I mean, we can only say so much and give them all the tools, all the resources and like literally hand them everything. But it's like, it's up to them. If like they express interest and if they want this, then go get it like anything is possible but I can't tell you to go do it and if you are miserable and you hate it 
then you don't have to do this. But I think going back to like the strategy or even just like um, something that I'm trying to do is just like trying to like connect with my kids and kind of talk to them, talk them through it. Like, is this something that you want to do? What are you trying to explore? Like, maybe this is this new learning stage that I'm going through of like exploring and having these open conversations and having that connection I think that's important for some of these kids because sometimes they get lost I mean I know I was lost for a moment and it would it would have been nice to have you know a sounding board from a coach or you know someone else Um, but I think for these kids I know they're under a lot of pressure and the recruiting process is definitely a little more stressful now than what it was I would say probably 10 years ago when I was going through the process as well right given social media and all that stuff and Instagram. So these kids have to keep up with that. But I think they have to express the interest. And if they want it and they have this desire to go play D1, all right, let's go. We're going to I'll clock in, clock out. We're going to ride you to the, to the very end and do whatever we can to get you there. However, if there's kids that are kind of like, oh, I want to go there for school and kind of play volleyball for more like for fun, that's totally fine too as long as you know that. I feel like sometimes kids can kind of get lost with that. Um, and it's kind of understanding like your role and where you are and be, being realistic. I think sometimes that's hard for people. Um, and that's something like I've always said, it's like kind of know your role, do your job, know yeah. where you stand. And like, obviously, and obviously too, like, I mean, the sky's the limit. If you have dreams and you have goals and you want to go crush them by all means, like that's kind of your focus and your purpose or your why to wake up in the morning and you go chase it. But knowing that, like, that's not going to define you in the long run. You know, there are other things out there, too. I think volleyball doesn't really define who and what you do. I mean, if you have a love and passion for it, do it to the best that you can. Um, And I think with these kids, I don't want them to kind of, like, get tunnel vision. I feel like I went there a little bit. Um, But I I chose that and I kind of knew what I was doing. Like, not know what I was doing, but I kind of... That's where I wanted to grasp. go. Yeah, I kind of had a grasp. Like volleyball was first over everything. And that was like kind of the priority. And I think with some of these kids is if that's your priority, all right, then like every decision that you make starting from now to when you show up there day one and double days in the preseason, like you're prepared and ready to go. But yeah. then, yeah, I think it's just understanding like your where your priorities are um, and you know, being realistic of like what schools that you can get into and understanding that, you know, getting a good education is super important too. student before the student athletes. Yeah. Student athletes were all about that. Um, but yeah, I think there are some bright kids out there too, that kind of know what they want. Um, and then just kind of like checking in connecting. I think the connection thing is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. Cool, man. I have three. I have, I'm keeping track of time. I know you got to be somewhere by two 30. Um, I wanted to say a couple of things. One, I like what you said about the kids wanting it. To quote Mother Teresa, one must participate in one's own salvation. Yeah. All right. Um, two, really realizing if you get what you want, do you want what you get? All right. Um, um, I don't like to talk about my girl too much, but she basically was interested in playing. She got into Harvard and she was, um, you know, her st- she won two state championships at Parkersburg in West Virginia. So she was a baller. But to her credit, Young enough, but still mature enough to know that she doesn't want that to be her 12-month experience. Mm-hmm. So some of these kids who are listening, and we do have kids listening. We have kids listening to this now. All my juniors listening to this. Oh, cool. If you get what you want, you got to want what you get. And sometimes it's unfair for us to say that because some kids don't figure that out until later. Mm-hmm. My whole life, I thought I wanted to be in accounting until I took accounting. 
Yeah, but you won't know until you do it. And that's the thing with like yeah. these kids. It's like if you want to pursue volleyball, play mm-hmm. D1, play professionally, get on the FIVB, go to the Olympics, mm-hmm. you kind of – every decision, like you're kind of like in the fast – not the fast lane, but like you kind of know what you want. And you're going to be very driven and like not steer clear and get sidetracked with other things. However, there is a balance. It is very important to have a balance. You don't want to just be in one lane forever. You got to be able to see the whole picture. But if you also say you want to play volleyball and you're like miserable, then like it's okay. You don't have to do it. You know, do what make do what make brings you joy. Do what you're passionate about. Yeah. And if it's volleyball, great. If it's indoor beach, amazing. If not amazing you know it's not the end of the world right so volleyball everyone i think volleyball everyone has their own story with it which is i think super unique um and i think that's kind of the exploration of what it brings to you and that's kind of fun we have a unique thing in common like if i interviewed for you for a job let's say let's say i don't know i'm starting a league and i wanted to talk to you or or even a coaching position. Mm-hmm. And if I asked you what's one of your biggest strengths, you might say I personalize my work. It doesn't leave when you leave the court. It doesn't leave when you leave the video room. You think about it all the time. Mm-hmm. You invest it and you love it and you want it. And if I asked you what your biggest weakness was, you will probably say I personalize my work. Yeah. It hurts too fucking much when I lose. It hurts too much sometimes just trying to put this in a box and, and then get dinner and then hit the reset button. How, I'm, I'm, how far am I? You're, no, you're pretty I'm, close. Am I lukewarm? I mean, I do. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I mean, I, I, I became obsessed with volleyball. I did everything and anything. Like, all my decisions was around volleyball because I wanted to be the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now... I wish I would have prioritized it maybe a little bit differently because I would just, I became so obsessed with it that I missed out on a little, just, you know, just, just social things a little bit more. I mean, I, nothing crazy, but I mean, it's always good to have that balance to kind of keep you sane, keep you hungry, making it, making you, I guess, love and appreciate the game a little bit more. I kind of went really like gnarly with it for a little bit. But I'm happy I did that because now I can kind of have that perspective and kind of see, like, oh, like, I can go things a little bit different. That's why I'm very excited about 2022. I kind of want to change things a little bit. But, yeah, I hate losing. I'm a sore loser. Um, But I use that and channel that as motivation to, like, go again. At least you're humble in victory, man. I I mean, moving to California, there's a lot of freaking sore winners here, too. Yeah. People are like your friend until they win, and then they act like a jerk. I'm like, what? What the? What the hell? I'm from Brooklyn. Usually, the usually it's the other way around. The grudge, you know, yeah. happens, and at the end of the day, respect. This is a, this is a weird place. I'm glad you're humble in victory, though. Um, have you ever seen The Wire? No. All right. The Wire is basically Baltimore Police Department cracking drug rings. Drug dealers finding ways to evolve. Okay, beepers. They cloned our beepers. All right, we're gonna use the payphone. Payphone. All right, now we're gonna send texts. Look, let's see, let's see, you, let's see you track us now, right? Picture messages. So it's just every season the drug dealers are getting smarter and the cops are trying to find ways or whatever. Uh, Dominic West, actor, um, okay. he is a Brit with a Baltimore accent, and mm-hmm. he is like the biggest piece of shit. He cheats on his wife. He drinks. He's an alcoholic. He, he sells out his bosses all the time. He jumps the chain of command, but he does one thing really, really well. He's a good police. All right. 
Now his weakness, and this is leading to a question to you, his weakness is he takes down this case, and when the case is over, it's nothing. The next one, he takes this down, it's the next one, the next one, and finally at the end of the season, one of his his old partners says, "The job can't save your ass. The job can't save your ass. You're, you're taking down this case and that case, and you think that that's going to keep you going. But at the end, there's going to come a time at the end. This can't this can't save your ass. Family, friends." Uh, um, whatever escapism, swimming with sharks, petting fucking sharks, climbing Kilimanjaro, sing karaoke. I do that twice a week. Um, at what point did you realize that this sport can't save your ass? I think, I mean, COVID a little bit because it kind of got taken away. Um, and I realized that there are more important things than, you know, the sport itself. I think family, friends, friends, and I've made those connections this past year and a half, which I'm so happy I've done because I kind of isolated myself a little bit and just kind of got so obsessed or so absorbed with, you know, volleyball and trying to like be this thing. Um, and I kind of realized this year, stepping away from it all, that there are certain things like family, the friends, these experiences that I get to do now with like the military tour. I feel like that brings me a lot of joy and it's like that balance and it makes me appreciate why I play the sport versus being so like edgy with it. Um, I kind of have found like a new appreciation for the sport and why I fell in love with it in the first place. I think it kind of got there. I think I just was super competitive with it and I just wanted to just like, I was just very stubborn and very immature and I had a lot of growth that I needed to do and I kind of saw that this year with just the reflection and kind of taking a step back from it. Um, so yeah, I think volleyball d doesn't define me. It's something that I do and I love and um, I feel like for me, just tapping into my best Gucci self, I feel like that's super important for me. That's a priority right now that's current in my life. So that's kind of, yeah, I can say that happily and confidently because I think that's super important. If I can be my best self, be consistent, you know, to everyone that I like meet across the board or wherever I'm at, I think that's super important. And then when I'm out on the court, like, man, it's ball to the wall. I'm gunning for you. It's war for me, but I have to learn to separate it. So I've been able to do that now, right. which is super cool. Cool. I think that's a that's actually a good answer to wrap up on. But we, um, I want to do a lightning round. Oh gosh, okay. we're out. Um, come on, um, the best conditioned partner you played with, physical shape. Ooh, the best conditioned. She was like they're all in good condition, Jason. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I feel like every partner that I played with. I'm gonna say everyone. Everyone's been very conditioned. All right. Who's the most fun? Big smile on their face all the time. You just you just thought of one. Don't do that. I know. I'm right there. Just it's like say it. it's like two. There's two. Right, Can I say two? Jen Fopma, throwback. Yeah. Yes. And then Bihau. Yes. Bihau, we had a lot of fun. I saw her singing karaoke a couple of months ago. <laughs> Big tall Amazon out there singing. She was alright actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the most intense. Like John Mayer said, Jeff Nygaard said, "I'd be an example like intense." Oh, intense. I think Teresa and I, we were pretty intense, right. but a good intense. Nice. The sport you like to watch besides volleyball. She's like, what? <laughs> you said it's on your face. You said, wait, what? I mean, I always there, watch volleyball. It's pretty sad. I mean, I watch basketball. I love watching basketball. Big mm -hmm. Laker fan. Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, yeah, any sport really. I like it. Yeah. All right. Um, and lastly, do you do yoga? I do. I do yoga every day, 20 yeah. minutes in the morning. That's how, that's my morning routine. Yeah. And that's something I, I desperately need to get back into. My major in, in college is theater and we had to do two years of movement for actors. And my professor has published on lucid body movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so a yoga based class. So, and that was required. We had to do, and I'm like, wait, I felt great when I was in school. <laughs> so um, before we go, is there any plug or any website, anything you'd like people to, if and let's say I want to, I don't know, I'm a fan. I'm a Kelly Reese fan. Where can I find her? Is there a website? Is there, Ooh. is there an Instagram handle? Is there, how can I be down? Okay. Huh? Um, I'm pretty simple. I have Instagram and um, Facebook, but it's like Kelly Reeves 02. Okay. I keep it simple. Let me know if you guys want typical Tuesdays back. I have not been doing that for the last three years. So I'm debating if I want to kickstart that in the new year. So let me know. Or what they want to see on the Instagram as far as from the story standpoint, taking taking notes from my audience. I have no idea what they want. So I'm working on this top five thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Oh. Actually, I'm working on the top five things that should have gotten me California canceled. It's, <laughs> and I'll tell you that in private. It's Sounds just, good. It's embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. Just this kid from New York. You can picture he's like, what a schmuck. <laughs> okay, all right. So listen. Kelly Rees might love you, but me, I don't love any of you. In fact, I can't stand any of you, so I'm out of here, all right? So for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPhone, for all of you on your Droid or iPad, or for all of you on the lunch line at Starbucks watching us, for all of you on your desktop who runs the world, old school people. For my homegirl, Kelly Reeves, this is episode 120 Ooh. of the Option Podcast. I'm going to hit my music. Stay with me. We're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.